Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Tomorrow is a draft. Welcome to Cavs the Podcast. I'm Nate Smith. I'm here with Chris Francis and Elijah Kim. And tomorrow is draft day, and we've already got a lot of, uh, what did you call it, Chris? Slop in the That's air. Right. A lot of trade fodder where the where the NBA Slop pigs come to the here. trough. That's yeah. right. That's right. <laughs> Shout so out we already to had, Bro, dude. <laughs> yeah. We already had... Uh, uh, Oh, Grant. I can't remember his first name. Jeremy Grant. Jeremy. Jer- Jeremy Grant traded to Portland into cap space for a late first round pick. So um, that was kind of crazy. And then uh, Atlanta's trying to move John Collins and a bunch of picks for Deontay Murray. Um, you got to feel like the Cavs maybe want to get in on that. Uh, do you think the Cavs have any shot there, Chris? Oh, man. I mean, now that we know what's required, uh, or now that we know what the Spurs are requiring, I mean, you got you to gotta contemplate it. I mean, John Collins and four picks into the future, you know, I think, I, I don't know what the, you know what, I think we're already going to start hot Googling action because I don't remember exactly how many picks or pick swaps were accompanying that drew holiday trade um i think i think it was five but i think the reporting for this one was drew or uh john collins and three was kind of the minimum that was being contemplated right now was that all picks or picks and swaps yeah that's three picks and two swaps i think okay oh wow yep it was three picks and two swaps that's correct from Atlanta. So, I mean, to... three picks and two swaps. I feel like that's, I mean, I feel like get on the horn, Kobe. What are you waiting for? You know, now that we know that he, I mean, like I just assumed Deontay Murray was completely unavailable. I am actually shocked that they're even considering uh, moving him given the fact of, I mean, just how good he is, how young he is on a cost controlled contract. I mean, this is and, ba- and, base eight triple double. Yeah, and you know they got the clutch connection. Darius Garland seems to be a huge fan. They seem to have mutual respect. Uh, Darius Garland and uh, Deontay Murray. Uh, Garland always shows out somehow with against the Spurs as well. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, come on. I mean, what do you guys think? I mean, I feel like this is a no brainer. Oh, I I think I certainly. Sorry, go ahead. I would agree. I think it'd be a no-brainer if the Cavs could somehow do it. But I think the only problem is the Cavs don't have a player of the caliber of John Collins as like the. Oh, I, I totally, I, I would totally yes. put Laurie Markkinen on 
on par with John Collins. Oh, I would have said I would have said that you could do. I mean, I'm you know not. I, I'll, I'll get Brandon as the Jared Allen hater. I don't care, but I'm willing to part with Jared Allen to get this deal done. And I think you could do. I think you could trade less picks. I think you can trade less draft picks, less pick swaps if you include uh, an all star like Jared Allen as the centerpiece of that trade. That's an interesting deal. I don't know if that makes sense for the Spurs though. Like they're a rebuilding team. You get rid of Dejounte. Like, does Jared Allen make sense for them long term? That's, that's actually you have a to get a point. no. That's a, that's a third team a fair involved. Point. Yep to move Allen or another player for more picks. I kind of feel like you'd have to. Um, no, that's, a, that's, a, I agree with that. That's a fair point. I think that's uh, on the money. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then the Spurs also have Jakob Podol. They have like what, three picks in this draft. So they're in position to draft like the center of the future. So yeah, I kind of feel like Lori's a better fit for that trade. Um, if you, if you're making that move, Lori and Chetty, Lori, uh, what's uh, his salary? Well, yeah, it would probably be Lori and Chetty um, for Murray, and they'd probably have to take back uh, McBucket's Dougie. contract. Yep. Dougie McBucket's Yep, I would agree contract. with that. Yeah, I mean, there you go, Kobe. You heard it here first, CTB. We, we've already done the work for you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um not, no, I'm not anyweighing your your point there. I'm just saying. <laughs> I know, no, no. <laughs> I just, yeah, I know <laughs> it's just kind of crazy. So any other crazy news um, the last few hours? Like the amount of smoke this year is um, amazing. I feel like uh, what, what's the latest on the rumors with the Cavs, Eli? There aren't really a lot of Cavs-centric rumors right now. Um, I think the big – thing coming out is that a trade down kind of seems like a potential move um it could be smoke to try to get charlotte to take their center take a center with a 13th pick but um you know i think the Cavs are right now getting uzman Dieng or uh oshai agbaji mocked to them a lot which is interesting because i think uh i think deep down i think we don't believe the Cavs are actually that interested in Akbaji at 14. So it'll be interesting. I do think the Cavs are looking to trade down, um, but I'm not quite sure that their interest in Akbaji is as strong as everyone thinks it is right now. Yeah. And then the other, um, of course, big rumor is that they were the team that promised uh, Usman Diang. Of uh, the New Ze- of France and the New Zealand Breakers, um, I am baffled by the move. I haven't seen any video of him that makes me go, "Wow, that guy could be amazing." Every time I watch him, he looks like I, I described him as a big goonie bird. Um, I I just don't understand <laughs> what the appeal is. Like I don't see like explosiveness or great coordination or anything like that. I just see. You know, some decent court vision, but like if you are 19 years old and you move like uh, Kyle Anderson, like that concerns me a little. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I don't understand. And, you know, and I made the point like uh, I think Jovich, just from everything he does on the court, if you say you want Diang, 
why wouldn't you want Jovich? Like he just does so many more things more fluidly to me um, than than Diang does. So I don't know. Um, and it's real interesting because we heard Malachi Branham mock to the Cavs for you know several weeks. Um, just and I think a lot of that is because uh, Ohio State and uh, uh, Cleveland are in the same. We uh, are about two hundred miles apart from each other. And we're not hearing that anymore. I've heard a lot of talk of like Branham been dropping back into the late teens. And I, it's interesting. And then, of course, I, it feels like Jalen Williams has risen into the into the teens somewhere, the mid-teens. And I think you and I talked, Eli, that we didn't think if the Cavs traded back to what, like 21 and 29 was the uh, Grizzlies trade offer. Yeah, I think the Grizzlies have 22 and 29. Um, 22 and 29. And I think we that didn't would be think too Williams far. would... Yeah, we don't think Williams would be there. And then you're looking at guys like Dale and Terry and Marshawn Beauchamp, who the Cavs seem to like. So it, it's definitely been some interesting uh, some interesting moves. Uh, they, this is the most people I can ever remember, um, ever remember uh, being invited to the green room. Like there's something like 20 people. And a, some of these guys aren't projected to like the second round being invited to the green room. So that's super interesting. Um, maybe the NBA. Yeah, new- speaking of smoke, speaking of smoke on that, um, it's funny because I think Giovanni, who's, you know, pretty well-respected reporter said that he, the agents all believe there's about 50 players that think they're going in the first round, which is unprecedented. Um, so. And impossible. He, yeah, <laughs> definitely not possible. So. It's going to be really interesting to see kind of how the, the NBA people think because obviously, like like most uh, things in life, where there's you know two sides to a story, there's usually two parties involved in the story. You know, in this case, being the teams and the players. Um, usually, there's always three sides to a story, right? The player side, the team side, and the truth. So um we'll see how it all shakes out on the draft night because it's really interesting to see all the smoke going on right now yes it is um it's very interesting um so with that uh is there any other kind of crazy things that you think we might see from the Cavs or around the nba tonight like or tomorrow night um of course this will drop tomorrow morning so when i say tonight it for everybody listening it will actually be uh Thursday night. So, yeah. And that's yeah. how that's Nate explains how time works. Uh, thank you for coming <laughs> to my TED talk. Um, so, yeah, I mean, any any big themes you see happening? Do you think we're going to see a ton of moves? I mean, I think that, I mean, we're finally starting to see something happen. So, thankfully, you know, uh, for those who've been craving some action, it's finally beginning. And, you know, there's some. There was a new report about Kyrie Irving. Uh, I guess the Lakers are seriously <laughs> uh, in in uh, the Lakers are seriously in the conversation for getting acquiring Kyrie Irving, um, and it's already been reported that uh, if the Nets do not max Kyrie, that KD is also out from Brooklyn. So um, we might have the just complete destruction of the uh, title favorites from last year into, I mean, 
they're back to square one, aren't they? You know, they're back to, <laughs> you know, they've already done a complete build up and tear down <laughs> in the span of uh, the the Boston, you know, trade cycle, I guess, or whatever. You know, you, I don't know, I don't know how to phrase it properly, but you know what I'm talking about. So, uh, yeah, so. But, uh, you know, they tried to cheat the game and I guess win, you know, play stupid games, play, you know, win stupid prizes. So, uh, I, you know, hopefully, <laughs> fingers crossed, something's happening tomorrow. Uh, it seems like, you know, uh, going back to the, the Cavs thing with the, with the, um, with the, with the trade talk, uh, you know, it's funny because it, it really left the impression that, I mean, the Cavs definitely want to trade down. I think, I mean, that's, that's the impression I got from the reporting is that, um, the Cavs are, uh, seem, seem to be, uh, it's ironic too, because I was just talking to a couple guys, uh, you know, just a, a couple NBA fans from across the, across the country or whatever online and stuff like that. And what's interesting is like, you, you look at the list that, Chris Fedor uh, published, you know, about the five or six names that the Cavs are considering at 14. You know, I shared that list with the, you know, friends uh, and draft aficionados and stuff like that online. And it's funny because the reaction was uh, that the Cavs are perfectly positioned at 14. Like the guys that the guys that the Cavs are looking at are sought after by many different squads uh, near and around that 14th pick. You know, there's, teams that want to trade up seems like we I mean we already got two names uh the the Wolves and the Grizzlies want to trade up uh the names you know there's probably teams that want to trade back from you know I, I would guess there might be teams that want to trade back there's teams that want to get rid of their pick so uh to, to to avoid paying guys so I just think you know it's interesting like I I you know I, I think that the it's, it seems like they're giving off the impression they weren't impressed about anybody that they brought in so far this draft season and they want to trade uh, they want to trade out to ensure that they get a pick next year's draft which is you know it's been rumored uh, for a little bit that it's going to be a stacked draft class so uh, I, I think uh, with the draft class next year isn't eight aren't 18 year olds allowed back in is the one and done rule over um next no. Uh, so the story on that is uh, they will probably negotiate a new CBA. Uh, I believe the opt out is like at the in like December or something. I can't remember, but I believe there's going to be a new CBA between this year and next year. And that, of course, means that that could be bargained in. Um, so gotcha. we will okay. kind of see. Yeah, what I thought there. it was a double dip draft for some reason. So, well, uh, I don't but think it they seems really like said it... yet. OK, OK, so. I, regardless, I think. Of course, I had the date of free agency wrong last year or last uh, <laughs> week, so I could be. No, totally no, wrong. Google had it wrong. Google had it <laughs> wrong. You don't have to take that L. So, <laughs> I will totally I, take I, that L. <laughs> but uh, you know, just to just to wrap and put a fine point on it, it just seems like the Cavs are uh, uh, shopping for a pick for next year because they they think they're going to lose it. You know, they you know obviously the team was over five hundred. They were in contention to be in the. You know, they were in playoff contention all season long, essentially. Uh, so I think they're hell bent on trying to recoup that uh, first round pick that they'll inevitably have to give up if they make the playoffs because of Karis. Yeah, and with that, we will be right back. Welcome back to Cavs a Podcast. I'm Nate Smith here with Chris Francu. Welcome back to Cavs a Podcast. 
Chris Francis is here. Elijah Kim is here. I'm Nate Smith. I figured those guys are the talent, so I better introduce them first. I'm just the guy who knows how to edit a podcast. Um, I, so one of the things you touched on was the 14th pick, and I've said multiple times that this draft really reminds me of 2013, where clearly if the uh, draft was redone, Giannis Tetacumpo would be the first pick, and that was the year that the Cavs, of course, took Anthony Bennett with the number one pick, and then turned around and passed on guys like Rudy Gobert to take uh, Sergei Karasev, who was out of the league in two years. Um, yeah. You know, a disastrous Ooh. draft for the Cavs, but obviously the beauty of 2016 is you wouldn't change anything. But uh, the interesting thing is, you know which number pick uh, – Giannis Tetacumpo was that year was number 14. So, um, and the Bucks were kind of just out of the playoffs. Uh, they had Drew Henson. I think they had uh, Terry Ford. Um, I can't remember. But, uh, you know, it, it was a I feel like ago. this okay. is one of those drafts where, you know, and I've said this before, it's almost better to be at the end of the lottery than the beginning because there's so much expectation of who you have to take at the beginning of the lottery. And just because of the group think and the, the rankings. And, of course, later in the drafting, draft whoever you want. So I, I certainly I, no, feel like... I, I, yeah, that's, I think there's some merit to that. Because, you know, like I said, you know, referring to back to the past story, you know, I think there's a lot of people who think that the Cavs are perfectly positioned at 14. And I think there are... Ex- like, actually, I think you're fine if you're in the top four, you know, with, um, you know, with uh, Paolo, Ched, uh, Jabari, and uh, Ivy at the top. I think the death part of the draft this year is six through 10 or six through 11. You know, like, there's guys that we were talking about, like, Shin Sharp, who's who hasn't played in, in over a year uh, and last played in high school. You know, uh, you know, we got, uh, you know, Adrian Griffin, you know, AJ Griffin, who I know, you know, he's a highly touted recruit, but, you know, there's possibly, you know, injury questions about him. And also, can he actually do anything but uh, shoot a three point shot? You know, Ben Maturin, uh, you know, is getting a lot of hype, but, you know, he seems kind of one dimensional as a scorer and not a playmaker. Um, if I'm, you know, if I'm in that six to ten or six to twelve section, Elon Duran's being talked about as well. You know, I'm I'm not excited if I'm, you know, Indiana or uh, you know the Pelicans or you know whomever, yeah, whomever is in that six to ten range. It's just uh, it seems like, and, and it's funny because I think there's a lot of fire. It seems to be there's a lot of uh, rumors, trade rumors. Uh, surrounding those, uh, you know, like uh, as we as we open the open the program with tonight, uh, with um, the seventh pick, you know, seems to be uh, on sale uh, for Portland, you know. So um, I think that's six to ten range. I don't know how you guys feel about the draft or Eli, how how Eli feels about six to ten, but you know, I don't know about six to ten as opposed to later. Eli, you want to weigh in there? Yeah, I mean, I kind of agree. I think six through ten this year is really weird because the group thing says to take guys like Shaden Sharp, who hasn't played since high school. Um, you know, Usman Dieng is a guy that a lot of people have in their top ten, and 
I'm with you, Nate. I just don't see it. And every st- there's just like no statistical argument. There's no eye test argument. The argument for him is the ideal of him is something that could be tantalizing. But I just don't see how you can do that with a top 10 pick when you got guys like, um, you know, Jalen Williams, who's more proven um, with it, with the advanced stats, with the measurables. Um, and he's projected to go, you know, 10 picks later, you know, in the late teens, maybe or late lottery at the very minimum. So um, I think it's pretty mind boggling that two of the top 10 guys uh, might be Shaden Sharp and Usman Dieng. And that's what makes it really <laughs> scary for picking between six or 10. <laughs> Yeah, that, I mean, sends, that sends shivers down my spine. <laughs> like we were talking about where the tier you were talking about the tiers. I I think you know six through ten is that second tier, and honestly, I think ten through like twenty three, twenty four. There's a lot of really good players. I mm-hmm. don't or eleven through twenty, twenty three, twenty four, somewhere in there. A um, lot of really good players, and like you said, there's fifty guys that think there's going to be first round picks. So fit. Is going to be really big. And uh, the other thing that I think is funny is I don't think anybody's trading a pick next year for a pick this year. You might see right. a team trade a second rounder next year for a first rounder this year. Like, I could see that happening. I ain't seeing any first round picks from 2023 uh, moving unless you're getting an established, already established player in exchange. So. That's just me. And you're saying that because of the you're you're saying that because the the perceived value of the draft class next year, right? And the perceived low value of this year. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, I mean, it's just <laughs> it, it just cracks me up. Like I I tweeted today, I was like, uh the Knicks making moves to move up in a shitty draft. Classic Knicks move. <laughs> it's like I don't understand like these teams that are I want to move from seven to four. Like this draft doesn't feel like the difference between seven and four really matters, but maybe you think it does. Like I actually think Keegan Murray's a really good player. Uh, he's probably one of my favorite guys in the top five or so, you know, that's a guy I might move up for, but there's a lot of guys I'm like, eh, they're okay. They're a decent player, but I'm, I don't think Paolo Banchero is that much better than a lot of the guys that are, you know, five, six picks behind him. So my argument to that though, is another reason why this draft is scary is let's say you take a guy like Keegan Murray, like sixth or seventh, right? Then what if Shaden Sharp hits and he goes like eighth to the Pelicans and all, everything that is potential checks out and he thrives because David Griffin sees it all, you know? I think that's what well, makes it even scarier on the other side of the argument for six. Yeah, I mean, as well. that, I mean that's every draft though. I so I don't know if you followed any of the uh, James Jones interviews that he was talking about. He hates young players and unproven draft picks. He's like he's always about winning now all the time. Like he would not have drafted Devin Booker. Um, he would not have drafted DeAndre Ayton probably like that, that to me is a crazy that, you know, 
you, that's one end of the extreme. And then you've got the other end of the extreme, like you said, where David, with David Griffin, who will take those home run swings, doesn't always hit clearly with the worst number one pick in NBA history. But uh, <laughs> it's just really interesting the way, you know, you've got the two extremes. And I, obviously the balanced approach is, is where I tend to lean. But I, I don't know. It's well, no, really it, interesting. It, it's funny you mentioned the Suns in that article about James Jones because – uh, apparently, I just found out about this today. Uh, uh, Eli's boy, Jake LaRavia, apparently Google listed his age incorrectly uh, during this draft process. And they listed him at 22 years old when he's actually 20 years old. And what had happened was uh, so teams, there were some teams that knew that the age was wrong or there were some teams that knew that it, the age was wrong, but they didn't tell anybody obviously because they wanted to keep that under wraps and, and take advantage of that uh, inside information, so to speak. Uh, but then apparently I guess word got out or whatever, or, or, or the, the, the issue had been rectified with Google uh, eventually after some, you know, whatever some, somebody was talked to or whatever. And what's interesting is LaRavia apparently, I guess LaRavia's representation was told that uh, a team was out because they thought he was older. (laughs) So he's the same guy, but actually his development curve gets better because he's two years younger. And then a team tells him, actually... Never mind, we're not that interested. And the joke was that it must have been the Suns that said that. Because <laughs> of that James Jones article. Yes. Oh my God. I it, it that was a weird article. And then of course I don't I pitched the rumor to you guys today that they're looking at trading Cameron Johnson because they don't want to basically pay him next year. Um, or after the season, and of course Robert Sarver never wants to pay the luxury tax. Like, is the Suns' window already closed? Like, it almost feels that. Oh way. hell yeah! If it, if it ever was open, I mean, they were um, they were the top line for, for you know most fraudulent team. You know, they were they were the uh, ranked number one on the fraud uh, on the fraud ball charts. So, and now <laughs> you know. They don't want to pay Aiton. You know, I did the calculation. By the way, the, if they had if they had to match Aiton, they'd owe a hundred and eleven million in tax, and it would escalate <laughs> drastically every year. Yeah, because then yeah. they would hit the repeater. Um. So and then so I mean, there's total like you're you hit the nail on the head. I can't see them wanting to pay Cam Johnson. Hell, they should just tear it down. I mean. They're stuck on the how much how much do they owe Chris Paul over the next two years three years? Uh, it's not as I, bad as you'd think, but yeah, it's it's almost it's like they had a two year window and then yeah yeah I, yeah I believe they owe him. Well, now I got to look. So uh, talk amongst yourselves <laughs> for a minute. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I think they owe him a lot, and you know, they're not wanting. They're I mean, the, the rumors are flying about Aiton. You know, there's rumors about him going to Detroit. There's rumors about him going to San Antonio. You know, everybody seems to be in on the Aiton, you know, Max Aiton, try to get him. And uh, 
So, you know, I think uh, they're already looking at a possible teardown and it barely even got started, you know, or I mean, they they really just had that two year window and uh, didn't really pan out. Did you find a date or did you find? I did. did you find yeah. So he salary? has kind of a wild contract in that uh, he's owed twenty eight million this year and then he's. Got a $30 million contract next year, but only $16 million of it is guaranteed. And then he has a team option or a non-fully guaranteed 2024-2025 contract, which obviously I don't think he'll see because he'll be 39. Uh, but it's a $30 million deal. But what that deal allows them to do is if they were to buy him out over like next year, um, they could stretch pay that over the non-guaranteed years. So, like, say he plays this year and then they buy him out for $16 million next year, um, they could stretch that out over five seasons, which is only, like, $3 million a year. Um, okay. So it doesn't – I. Th- it seems like that contract is designed to work that way uh, to me. Interesting. Uh, and, of course, then it becomes very tradable as well if a team wants to, you know – uh, Win now move trade yep. and wave, you know, or clear oh, cap okay. space. Okay, okay, D- yeah. okay. You're talking about the opposite. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's crazy. Like they just, and you know, there might be a fire sale. I mean, well, and going back to that James Jones article, what's inter- another interesting part about that was, I guess their whole like scouting apparatus or personnel or or their whole. Uh, infrastructure, I guess their their basketball operations infrastructure totals only fourteen people, and it says in that article that the Clippers employ fourteen scouts alone, let alone other basketball operations pe- uh, uh, operations people and managers. So, uh, you know, to your point before, you know, Sarver, man. Sarver, the cheapskate. You know, he he must be <laughs> he must be NBA Mike Brown. That's what well, it reminds me of. Shout out to the Bengals fans out there. Okay, not not the <laughs> new coach of the Kings, Mike. No, Brown. not the new coach. Yeah, something about Paul Brown's son, Mike Brown, the notorious yeah. cheapskate. You know, from the from from the southern part of Ohio. Yeah, I mean, it, it's super interesting because there is an ongoing NBA investigation about uh, you know uh, pay disparity and uh, you know an unprofessional uh, workplace oh, yeah. in Sarver's organization. A lot of people have said that the NBA may force him to sell, um, but that hasn't really gone anywhere yet. So we'll, we'll kind of see what happens, but yeah, that's how long that, has that investigation been going on? It's been years now, hasn't it? I don't know. It's it, <laughs> <laughs> rich is it, people is it another... uh, live by their own laws. So I know exactly. I know in that the truth. Indeed. Uh, and with that, uh, we'll be right back again. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> all right. Sorry, guys. I'm back. Yeah, it's all good, good timing. <laughs> we have breaking news on Cavs of Podcast. Go ahead, Eli. Well, it, uh, we made a pitch to Starkless Pod about going after Junta Murray from the Spurs and you know, voice of the Cavaliers, essentially, voice of the locker room, Chris Fedor, has sent out a tweet about 20 minutes ago tonight saying the Cavs have had conversations about Murray going all the way back to February 
when they all yeah, I remember about their we talked play. about that multiple times. So it sounds like the Cavs are continue. It sounds like the tone is that the Cavs are going to continue to have conversations and try to be in the sweepstakes for Murray, which I think is a great, um, great sign that they're not being extremely passive. Um, I think, I think, you know, for three first round picks in addition to maybe, you know, if the Spurs are truly rebuilding, you can give them expiring contracts in uh, Levert um, and take back bad salary on their behalf. Um, yeah, obviously, I think yeah. Keldon Johnson's going to be a restrictive free agent next year. Vassell is going to be a uh, restrictive free agent the year after. So, you know, I I don't know. Uh, Lonnie who Walker is a restricted free agent this year. Yeah, so there's you know I think the Cavs are smartly going to be try to be involved, and I I basically trade everyone except you know Allen Mobley or uh, Garland to try to be yeah. competitive in a deal like that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's very interesting. Um, yeah, I feel like the Cavs probably have a little bit more to offer than Atlanta in terms of, you know, marketing and a Sexton and a uh, uh, future picks. And they've got quite a few picks this year. Um, but I feel like marketing and Sexton is and Osmond's probably a little bit more star power than uh Atlanta has right now where they kind of have Collins and maybe Herder but uh I feel like those guys have a little bit more upside and it's funny because even was it you today Eli who was saying today that Sexton would do really well in the in the pist- or in the Spurs system Oh that was our friend friend of the uh C- CTB emeritus uh David Wood Yeah yeah so it, no, it, it was a great point. Yeah. I mean, but ironically, uh, I guess it wouldn't be such a, I don't know if it'd be such a good fit anymore. I think he, I think the, uh, I think that was dependent upon Murray being still there. Right. Murray, that Murray and Sexton would be a good backcourt duo. Oh, in, uh, San Antonio for sure. But yeah, I still think it would be good. <laughs> good for us yeah absolutely yeah. amen brother <laughs> or, or for them so it's interesting <laughs> um any other late breaking news there eli as you're perusing the twitters um well i think we one thing we haven't talked about it's not breaking news but it was also in the same report by jake fisher who actually is a is a good uh friend of ours he's in our dms uh me and him trade dms all the time um, always asking him if he could give me a little extra nugget, not in his articles. And he's, he's dropped a couple hints, um, here and there, but obviously can't get tell. Um, but, uh, he also in the same article talked about how Portland really wants OG Ananobi and the seventh overall pick is in play. I like OG Ananobi, but I think seven is pretty high for him, even though this draft is kind of meh. So I'd imagine the Raptors would probably think, give a first round pick back and it'd be like a huge trade down. Um, and then maybe, you know, the, there'd be some bad salary going out, but um, that's another I trade. There's that no would possible be way that there's no way that Messiah Jerry is going to give up a, a first round pick to, to get seven. 
I, I, I think, I think in this, in this instance, you're overvaluing seven. I think it would, really? in fact, yeah. yes. In fact, I would say that they might be forced to attack. Like, I think the question is, are they going to attach an additional pick besides seven uh, to get OG Ananobi? It seems to be where the conversation's going. I, it, it's interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I, I like Ananobi, but I'm not sure that I view him that valuable. And if I was Portland, I'd probably not pursue that personally. Yeah, the problem is, um, is Portland needs Ananobi more than the Raptors need Ananobi. Because Portland has never really been good at developing their own talent besides, um, at least in the current area, now that Terry Stotts is gone, besides uh, Dame and CJ McCollum. You know, it's uh, he's already developed talent and they need win now guys to convince uh, Dame to stay and not demand a trade request. Of course, the other thing. Sorry. Yeah, I was going to say that the other thing is ownership. Uh, Paul Allen, Paul Allen passed away. There's a trust, I guess, or is the team being held in trust with or an Allen trust or whatever with the wife, the the widow? Sister. Oh, his sister. I'm sorry. Because he wasn't So married. they're trying to, yeah. So I think they're not in a, they're not, they, they are kind of handicapped in the sense that they can't really do a full process rebuild because they want to sell the team. Yeah. Well, and that's a question. You can't really sell a mediocre team. You either have to sell a really good team or a team that's stripped down to the nuts and bolts. Like you don't want to sell a team with a bunch of, Wasted salaries that's making the eighth seed every year. Um, you know, when the Cavs sold uh, from to Dan Gilbert, of course, LeBron was on the team and it was all about this is going to be a really exciting team going forward. And I think the the goal in Portland is to really build up the the winning potential of that team and try and put a team that can win around Portland around Dame. But the other part of it is the NBA is really in flux right now because I don't think a lot of people watched that finals and were like, these teams are unbeatable. No, we might as well just pack it in for a few years. Like Golden State. It's the exact opposite. I think everyone saw that and said, I think everyone saw the finals and was like, holy crap, we can actually win this next year. If this is the quality, if that's all. No, no, that's what I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. Like they were saying these teams aren't there's nothing stopping us from being where these teams are. Is that what you're saying? The same thing? Yes. Sorry, I misunderstood. Okay. No, that's okay. I probably didn't communicate it well. But yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. Like if you that Boston team was one of the worst finals teams I've seen in a long time. Like they were a five deep team that they lost because uh Golden State was older. Not as talented, but they had a better bench, and they were able to spell Curry enough that he could deliver when it mattered, and Draymond Green stepped up for the last two games, whereas Boston, their bench just fell apart. They couldn't bring in anybody when Robert Williams was hurt, and they were running Peyton Pritchard rotation minutes, and he was just getting roasted roasted regularly, so... Yeah, I I, like I, I think roast-dated. the NBA feels... <laughs> what? I like roasted. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a neologism, <laughs> or I don't know if that's the, if that's the proper word, but I like that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I rotation like player that gets roasted, roasted, <laughs> roasted. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I feel like it's wide open, and I agree with you, Eli. So, 
Great minds think alike in ours, too. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, oh, the other one that I saw was the Knicks. Um, I don't know if you heard the news, but the rumor is that uh, – oh, what's his name from uh, the Mavericks? Oh, Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson yeah. is a done deal to the Magic or the Mavericks, but that the Knicks are clear in the books to try to uh, bring in uh, Jalen Brunson. And I feel like a really natural pivot for that if Jalen Brunson can't get there is uh, Colin Sexton. I could definitely see them pivoting to a Colin Sexton. Um, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. I mean, there was already those rumors last uh, last off season about that uh, that failed trade between the Knicks and Cavs uh, involving Kevin Knox. I think it was a Kevin Knox uh, somebody and a late first rounder. I think was the deal that fell through. Um, and uh, but yeah, I mean, it seems like Colin Sexton's the perfect Knicks point guard, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. Yes, he does. He he feels like, well, and honestly, Tibbs, he kind of seems like a Tibbs player. Like, tries really oh, absolutely. hard, loses 100 miles an hour, you know, lays it all 100%. out there, and then mm-hmm. loses in the second round of the playoffs. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I, I would not hey, be Hey, that's better than they've done in probably 30 years, probably. <laughs> right. I would not be surprised to see Colin Sexton get a 24-plus million dollar offer. From. Wow, that's so great. Because you know, it's it funny is, is but we began we, we began these conversations. You know, we began we began these conversations about Sexton, thinking that was ludicrous. But now that you say it, now that you lay it out there like that, it seems completely plausible. He's going to clear twenty million. That's insane. No, I, I, it's just who's out there. That's that's the true, right? Guys get overpaid, I guess, in free agency is the is the axiom I would I would suppose. Yeah, especially when they're young. Um, so I don't know. I mean, maybe that's not the case, but it's uh, it's a weird one for sure. And I don't know, I don't know what we'll see tomorrow, but I I feel like we're going to see a lot of fireworks uh, within the next week and a half between the draft and free agency, and I think you're going to see a lot of teams maybe draft him for another team and then uh, keep it under the vest to trade that player in the next uh, uh, when free agency hits. Yeah, it's funny. You, no, I totally agree with that. It's funny that there's like all these, uh, you know, concerns or fainting concern, feigning concern about uh, tampering. But apparently the impression that I've gotten from the early, you know, from what's, ha- what's transpired over the past 48 hours is teams are just like out and out tampering. It doesn't even matter. Like, it's so funny. It's like a farce. The, the you know, it's a farce that this is even getting policed at all. <laughs> I don't know. Do you think it things would work better? Sorry, I didn't realize I was asking a question while I was on mute. Um, do you feel like it would be better <laughs> if free agency was before the draft? I kind of feel like in some respects it would cut down on the tampering. Um, but I don't think teams would love that. How so? It, how so? Well, how, how do you think that would work? I don't think you're going to see a deal like uh, the deal that uh, Milwaukee and uh, who's, who's, and the Kings had last year with for Bogdanovich. 
like it's it's oh, right. you can't do that now you know right um, i kind of wish that it was just like the day after the draft is when it starts because it's like why even try yeah, to hide but, it you know yeah of course i think part of the reason is people actually do have to sleep but maybe a day and a maybe like two days after but it's only a few days after so yeah we only got one but, week to wait yeah exactly yeah it's weird <laughs> And with that, I I feel like we should uh, kick off our CTB mock draft. Um, maybe after we come back from the break, are you guys uh, ready to do that? I don't know. I feel like we should go through the Cavs' first, second round pick, and that that's and maybe their second, second round pick, but not all the players in between, and kind of kind of just rotate through them. What do you think? Ooh, sounds good. Let's do it. <laughs> mock like action. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, I'm game. <laughs> okay, well, we will be right back for some hot mock action. There we go. <laughs> Welcome back to Cavs of Podcast. I'm Nate Smith, and I am here with Chris Francis and Elijah Kim, and we have uh, a mock draft slash snack draft where every round uh, – one of us is going to pick a player for the team on the clock, and we are also going to pick uh, the appetizer uh, off the re- off a restaurant menu that fits in that spot. So that's uh, that's what we're doing, and you are on the clock for the Orlando Magic, Chris Francis. Okay, so I'm drafting for the Mickey Mouse team. Um, I am going to take. Jabari Smith Jr. with the first pick. Of course, you know, I fell in love with him uh, in the evaluation process. Dead-eye shooter. And for my first appetizer, man, that's so tough. I mean, I'm going to have to go with uh, potato skins. You know, I, I probably order potato skins more than any other appetizer that I ever order. You know, the, the wing wings are a close second, but I, I got to go potato skins. I mean, you know. So every time I order potato skins, I sing the Keebler potato skin song that goes potato what? skins got baked potato appeal because they're made from potatoes and skins that are real. Remember that? Do you remember <laughs> potato skins? <laughs> no, I've never heard this before. I can't believe it's real. What the hell? It is. Yeah. The Keebler, Keebler potato skins. They were like a chip where the... The skin was on one side oh, of the potato chip. I wow, that is a blast from the past. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> so I vaguely go. remember that product existing. Wow. Okay, and Holy so the crap. potato skins are, you know, uh, usually the the kind of quarter slice of the potato, the cheddar jack, and the bacon, right? Oh, absolutely, and sour cream. Don't forget the sour cream. Oh, sour chocolate. cream. Yeah, yeah. nice. Yeah, yeah. And and if you're like me, you want a little jalapeno on there, but. Uh, you, you gotta, yes. you gotta work at a place where they know you, and they'll do that for you. That's right. So, oh, or, order I, from a shout place. Out, shout out to the tavern that I used to go to in Raleigh. They used to put uh, barbecue pork barbecue on top of their nice, yes. nice. Yes. Okay, Eli, you are on the clock for the Oklahoma City Thunder. For the Thunder, uh, in the second overall pick, I'm going to go with. Chet Holmgren. Um, he just seems like the perfect player to part with the the true centerpiece of the Thunder uh, rebuild, which is Pokushevsky. So 
just think of a team with Chet Holmgren, Pokashevsky, and whoever they pick at 12. Um, that is what I'm going with for the Thunder. And in terms of an appetizer. And, and Lou Dort at power forward. Yes. Lou Dort at power forward, Poku at the three, and Chet at the five. That's what I'm going with. There you go. Um, for an appetizer, I'm actually going to go with buffalo chicken dip. Um, oh, nice. I think it's mm-hmm. the best of a chicken wing, but a little bit healthier to make you feel good about ordering it as an appetizer, not as your main. So underrated, but never ignored when it's on the menu for me. Very nice. Um, so uh, right now, Houston Rockets, uh, my favorite clown shoes organization. Um <laughs> I, you know, they would do something smart here, but everybody has them taking Paolo Bonchero. Um, I actually think the smart pick here, I'm just going to go ahead and draft Jaden Ivey for him because they already have enough power forwards. Um, Jaden Ivey can play point guard. They got to, you know, it is a much smarter move than drafting yet another power forward, but which is why they will draft. Palo Bonchero, but I'm going to just mix it up and take what would be the smart move here and take Jaden Ivey for them. Ooh, we have um, our first and, country. And the uh, snack is like the snack that should have gone first, the appetizer. It's clearly buffalo wings. Uh, it, you know, pick your flavor. Uh, we could have a whole wing draft, but uh, my – my preferred is 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 a grilled uh, some kind of dipping sauce which caramelizes really well. So you fry it, toss, and then grill it, and that's uh, that's what I'm going with at the third pick of the draft is uh, is wings. So there you go. My God, I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you are on the clock for our other favorite butt of many jokes, the Sacramento Kings, Chris. Oh, my God. Well, I I mean, you gave him a gift because uh, Paolo Bancaro falling into their laps at pick four seems like a no-brainer. I mean, I can possibly – there's been a lot of rumors that they love Keegan Bradley, but, uh, I mean, Paolo Bancaro, I got to go with. I, I'm not going to do them dirty because they were my pick last year for breakout team, and they they kind of disappointed me, but, uh, you know, you I, I don't Keegan know why. Murray? They're, yeah, yeah, they, they're yeah. big Keegan Murray fans, but um, but I'm going to take Paolo Bancaro, and, uh, and, you know, also I will give him a shout-out. They are the most ethical California team in existence right now. So even though they're big-time losers, you know, at least they don't uh, – at least they're not from L.A. and at least they're not from San Francisco. So <laughs> There you go. Okay. Uh, <laughs> let, let me mark it down here. Hold on one second. What's your appetizer, though? <laughs> Ooh. I mean, I'm going to have to go guacamole. Um, you know, add some international. Well, I should have gone. I probably should have gone. Ba- pa- Paolo Bancaro, I believe, is Italian. So I probably should have gone with something Italian. But I'm going to go Mexican and say uh, guacamole. Absolutely. Nice. With jalapenos, nice. of course. Oh, yeah. My wife makes a killer guac. Fresh mm. tomatoes, jalapeno, and cilantro. Yeah. Yes. Yes. She's a keeper. <laughs> there you go. Okay. And Eli, you are on the clock for the who's at five? Pistons. Um Pistons. Well, no tanking it, this pick. No, it is uh 
it's an easy pick because they just traded away a player that play, plays this position today. The Pistons <laughs> select Keegan Murray to play power mm. forward and fill the void for uh, Jeremy Grant. And uh, like you, Nate, I'm actually a big Keegan Murray fan. I'm not sure why people dog on him because of his age and they don't think he's athletic enough because Jeremy Grant is not like some explosive leaper either, and he's an effective player. And I actually think they have some similarities in terms of their athleticism, but I think Murray's a better shooter, lesser defender, um, but still a good pick to help Detroit um, you know, continue the rebuild with Cunningham and uh, Murray. So I will pick Murray for the Pistons. And my appetizer for this round is actually continuing on with the Mexican Tex-Mex food theme, uh, some nachos. Um, nice. I like my nachos with sour cream, queso, salsa, pickled jalapenos, and a little diced onion in there. That's my pick. So uh, that is my appetizer choice with the pick for Detroit. Yeah, I guess say I love nachos as well. My my preference is probably barbecue nachos, um, where you where you do like a smoked pork or something like that, and then you have some barbecue sauce instead of salsa. But I celebrate all nachos. So, and now with the next pick, the Indiana Pacers are on the clock, and I I kind of feel like the Pacers, all the guys they would have wanted to be there at six are gone. Um, and so now we've got to kind of figure out who plays well in that situation. And I think what we're going to see there is, oh, man, this is a tough one. Uh, I think they kind of roll the dice on Shaden Sharp. Just they go for the upside. They go for, you know, kind of best long term and a guy they think uh, can develop slowly and they can lock him up before he really blows up. Uh, so Shaden Sharp. Uh, I don't love the pick, but it, it makes sense in some ways. <laughs> don't sell it too hard. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who to take there because Daniels is a point guard and they already have, uh, you know, Halley. And then Merthurian, they already have Duarte. Uh, I don't love Jalen Duran for them, but... Maybe that's the guy they would take there. I don't know. But so I'm going to take Shaden Sharp because I don't know who else to take. And um, similarly, I'm going to take his equivalent in snacks, which is mozzarella sticks. Because when you don't know what other app to order, you always know you can order mozzarella sticks. <laughs> that's true. Even if you have a vegetarian at the table, you can go mozzarella sticks. So uh, you're up for the Blazers, and we're just going to assume they're keeping that pick for the mock draft here. Okay. Man, so... Or they're with, picking for someone else. I don't know. Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, Make whatever scenario up you want. I think, you know, it's funny that the Blazers haven't tried, you know, like surrounding Dame with good defenders, you know, in, this, in a similar manner that Golden State has surrounded Steph Curry with good defenders. Um, so in, in that kind of vein there, I think I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Dyson Daniels of the G League Ignite. Um, you know, he's a, 
big boy. He can pass. He can dribble. He can defend. Uh, the shooting is a little shaky, but I think that the form is good. So, you know, we'll, we'll go. We'll go. Dyson Daniels for the Portland Trail Blazers. Um, I'm trying to. I was trying to think of an app apropos to Portland, but I can't think of anything. Um, I'm just gonna have to go completely off of vibes. I. You know, one. You know, we've had a run of. Uh, well, I'm going to stick to international. We're going to go um, to the Far East. I, I'm going to say pot stickers, or uh, or um, I forget what the Korean version is, but uh, pork pot stickers or chicken pot stickers. You know, with uh, sesame uh, or not sesame uh, soy sauce with uh, red chili flakes as a dipping sauce. All right. Well, I think the Pelicans are next, and I'm going to go with the curveball here. Ooh. I am going to pick for the New Orleans Pelicans, and this is kind of hot off the press today, too. But I'm actually going to take Usman Dieng here at number Ooh. eight. Um, I think Griffin, like we already kind of discussed, is a huge home run swinger, and I think that while I think the three of us here aren't that high on him, I think that uh, um, our our former GM, David Griffin, would like a swing like this because this is a pick that they can't believe probably didn't expect to be so high as it's one of the Lakers picks from uh, the Anthony Davis trade. So with that being said, I'm actually going to pick an appetizer that is kind of reminds me of a pick like this. And I'm going to go with a stuffed jalapeno because sometimes you buy... Like a jalapeno thing. popper? Yeah. Why, why didn't sometimes you do you... escargot? He's French. <laughs> well, I've never <laughs> eaten escargot nobody... as an appetizer. Oh, it's not good. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, For... like, it's like a chewing gum that never... It's like chewing gum that you swallow, basically, that tastes like fish. <laughs> but I pick a popper because sometimes it's good, and sometimes it just explodes in your mouth and goes awry. So that's my appetizer for this pick. Nice. <laughs> um, okay, next on the clock, the Spurs. Um, I'm going to go and I'm going to break um, Eli's heart here. And I'm going to go uh, Jeremy Sohan. Um, are you guys hearing me that's here? Such a, yeah, Sorry. that's such a Spurs pick. <laughs> yeah, like I feel like he's a guy that probably, yeah, long-term has a lot of potential, um, can play a lot of defense now as a smart player. Um, they have so many wings already. I kind of feel like it doesn't make sense for them to grab another wing. Uh, so I'm going to go Jeremy Sohan. Nice. Um, the, uh, he, does he have a little Boris Diaw in him? Do you think, uh, Eli? I mean, not, not in terms of girth, but in terms of game. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I, I think Boris Diaw is a very good comp for Sohan. Um, and it is pretty heartbreaking considering that is someone who I, despite the fit, um, I think he has some pretty good upside, especially as definitely as a defender, but could be as an offensive player. So. I'm a little disappointed. Yeah, because like a lot of people think he can be a bit of an offensive hub, right? 
or or what it, what's the term they use now? They use a use a connector, I think, is what the term for him. A connector, not, yeah, yeah, because he's not a playmaker because he's not like dribbling up the ball and uh, you know initiating offense. Interesting. Um, so next up, I've got the um, who do I have next? I have the Wizards, and uh, I think I have. So today I said. You know, I thought I felt like Usman Diang was destined to be a shitty wizard, um, and <laughs> I I don't have uh, any any counter to that right now. But um, I mean, who plays center for the Wizards right now? Uh, uh, who it's is Porzingis. Gafford? No, Porzingis. Oh yeah, Porzingis sure. and Gafford. Yeah, Bring okay. Porzingis and Gafford so I don't really feel point. like. Yep. I, I can make that move. So I'm going to go with uh, Benedict Mathurian for them just because he's kind of the best player on the board right there and kind of just let him cook. Um, you know, he's got a setup, man. They need guys who can score. So that feels like a very Wizards pick. And uh, as an appetizer, I'm going to go. Um, oh, I forgot. Did I? I just did I jump in front of. Somebody for the draft there. You took you took Chris's spot, but it's okay. Oh, I'm sorry. No, yeah, Chris, okay. I apologize. No, you're you wanna, fine. So, you're fine. you know what it was? It was I forgot to say my appetizer for the Jeremy Sohan pick, and because it was going to be riblets <laughs> for Texas <laughs> for Baylor, <laughs> and so that's why I, that's why I was all screwed up there. So, um, yeah, you can uh, you can go for me next time. So uh, I'll I'll let you jump in there uh, now and do my pick for the Knicks. Okay, uh, for the Knicks, uh, you know, it's it, this is going to be the Obi Toppin Memorial pick, where they take a, a, a an old geezer, that old geezer being Tari Eason. So this is nice. the you know Obi oh, that's Toppin, a, that's a but very good. okay. You know, that is a very uh, Tibbs pick. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just a dog on defense. Um, no offense. Uh, no, no creative offense to speak of. But man, can he slam the ball down through the hoop? So, you know, I think, uh, you know, they might have their, you know, I was told that they that RJ, if they re-sign RJ Barrett to an extension, that'll be the first first round pick they've signed, re-signed since 1994. Did you guys know that? So Tari Eason will be that's, second. That's crazy. Yeah. They have not re-signed a first-round pick since 1994. Wow. Go James Dolan. That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Appetizer will go... Um, you got to go something beer- New York here. Yeah, I know. That's how, that's how I feel. Well, I was going to say, you know, a Cosmopolitan. Does that count? <laughs> no, that's a drink. You gotta go. You gotta go food here. <laughs> okay. It's gotta you gotta be something get, you gotta chew. You gotta maybe if okay. you put a pickle in it, maybe. Ooh, you know, uh, I'm gonna. Okay, so, oh man, I, I'm gonna have to go falafel. We're, we're gonna go. We're gonna go to the Mediterranean coast and go falafel. Not, nice. Okay, you're from a bodega. Oh, Eli. From a bodega Eli. in Manhattan. Nice. All Very right. nice. So um, I. Yeah. I have the second Thunder pick at 12, and uh, I should have planned it better and given them Usman Dieng here 
as a tall Gumby guy, but um, I think that the Thunder will always go for potential over uh, win now. So I will take uh, AJ Griffin here uh, for the Oklahoma City Thunder. There's a lot of potential. He was a former five-star recruit, son of an NBA player. Um, you know, Lou Dort has been in some trade rumors this year, so maybe he does get moved. But um, I think Griffin would fit in well. Another young player with a timeline and helps, you know, space the floor considering I think the Thunder are perennially one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the league. So that is my pick. And as an appetizer, I'm going to go with uh, one of my favorites that have slipped through the cracks, some mac and cheese bites. Um, I've, been eating those, <laughs> I've been eating those pretty often, actually. I found a pack, a frozen pack that I've been using in the air fryer. So I'm actually going to go with nice. that. My kids love mac one. and cheese bites. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're good. They're good. <laughs> nice. Nice. Okay. Um, I've, I've got to update the board here. So one second. So we got Oklahoma City took uh, A.J. Griffin. And now we have, uh, I believe it's the Hornets, isn't it? No. Correct. It is, it's the it, yes, it Hornets is the Hornets. Pick. Yeah. So this one's kind of wild. Um, there's been a lot of Hornets rumors that they're moving out. Um, you know, uh Oh, who would it? Stoop Hayward. Um, so I kind of feel like they need a uh, shooter and they need a guy that uh, can kind of, uh, you know, be. And I also feel like they don't need any more super young guys. So I feel like Okai Baji is a guy that just uh, makes a lot of sense for them here um, with the. Uh, caveat that they know the Cavs aren't going to draft a center at 14 so they know there'll be a center there two picks later um so uh, yeah they're going to get a Baji and um the appetizer I'm going to take is kind of um the draft pick equivalent of uh Baji and that sauerkraut balls so, um, because I don't think he's going to be very good, but he, he'll sit there on a plate for eight years so, um, and average 14 points a game for the next eight years. So uh, anyway, uh, and uh, I believe you are up next, Chris, with the Cavs pick. So oh boy, uh, things falling your way. Um, I still see Johnny Davis there. Oh, man. They, they've really fallen my way, but now I'm totally screwed because now there's too many options. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Well, we kind of knew this was how it was going to come down, though, right? Like You're absolutely right. They have there's options. There's going to be more guys there than, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's tons of options. Um, I'm going to stay true to my board. I'm going to stay true to uh, my roots as an Ohioan and it's going to be Malachi Branham. Oh my oh, God. All that Jalen Williams talk and yeah, you just, exactly. you just bail out. Okay. <laughs> Give us your biggest Homer. Is your appetizer just Buckeyes? Like yeah, it should be. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Graders makes a great Buckeye ice cream. Yes. I eat. Yes. I eat ice cream for appetizer. So, um, nice. yeah, we're going to go, uh, Buckeyes, 
all the way. St. Vincent, St. Mary, shout out to you guys. The next LeBron James. We got him. <laughs> I got him. Okay, and with that, we're going to take a break here. We, we went a little over, but we had to get to the Cavs pick. Welcome back to Cavs, the Buckeye Homer podcast uh, with <laughs> Nate Smith and Chris Francis and Eli Kim. Eli, you took Malachi Branham at 13 over the guy we've all been talking about, Jalen Williams. Why is Mal- Malachi Branham – you mean here me? at the top of your board over Johnny Davis, over Jalen Williams. Like, what do you got him at 14 for? What, what, what's the appeal there? Talk him up for me. Yeah. I mean, it's basically the upside. I mean, if you, if you look at what he does in the pick and roll, if you look at what he does um, from three on spot up shooting, two of the weakest areas of the Cavs offense over the past season. And Malachi Branham is an elite player in both of those aspects of the game on offense. Um, he's 19 years old, barely 19 years old. And um, his assist rate was for his freshman season was 14.9%, um, which is higher than what Jalen Williams did in his freshman season, which was uh, 13.3. So, and, and also there's a, a very big difference in quality of competition between um, uh, between uh, the Big Ten and the West Coast Conference. So, you know, it, it's mainly Agreed. the yeah, it's the, it's mainly the offensive upside. I'd say um, with Malachi Branham, I think he has the chance to be an offensive star. Now, um, I mean, I'm torn. I'm I'm gutted because. You know, one of the things about Jalen Williams that stands out is there's actually a little bit of defensive chops with Jalen Williams, whereas Branham has none to speak of. But again, you know, he's 19 years old. He, he played on he played uh, college ball in his year 18 season. So I think there's a lot of growth that can be that can happen. He's going to get his bit. He's going to get his grown man strength eventually in the next couple of years. And I just think you know you got to take. You know, uh, in accordance, you know, with Kobe and, you know, all the stuff that we've heard, you know, they want upside. So um, I think that Branham represents two things. I think he represents a guy that can come in and immediately contribute as a bench piece or compete uh, for a bench role. And then he can grow in that bench role and eventually possibly become a starter or, you know, possibly grow and, you know, grow his game, take a slow development with his... you know, uh, uh, he he was on ball a lot in a very point forward type of role with uh, Ohio State, and uh, so I think just there's the offensive superstar upside with him. I want a guy that's guaranteed. the the ba- The bottom line with 14 is I want a guy that's going to guarantee me that he's going to make plays for Jared Allen and and Evan Mobley. Is that is the guy at 14 going to make sure that our best players touch the ball? And so I think with either with Jalen Williams or Malachi Branham, I feel confident that those are two guys that are going to utilize our bigs in the pick and roll game effectively, but also be able to take the shots that are there and, and, and just kind of be an all around offensive player. Um, and I say all this, ironically, what's funny is I'm a big Ohio State hater. I hate Ohio State. I was a Notre Dame fan growing up, an Oregon fan growing, you know, later on in life. I can't stand Ohio State, but, you know, it's a crazy world we live in. You know, it's just, you know, I uh, – so that should let wow. you know that I say this begrudgingly. 
all this Shakespeare eat your heart out on that monologue. You know, there you go. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I take my bow. <laughs> and uh, with that, I guess we're done with the meat of our mock draft. Um, but uh, Eli and I are both going to pitch some guys for uh, what, what? what's the pick numbers for the Cavs here? 39 and 58. 58. 39 and 58. And I'm going to... Uh, Eli, I, I believe you're on the on the clock for 39. So you give me your guy for 39, and I'll give you my guy, and then we'll we'll do the same for uh, 58. Sure. So at 39, obviously, we don't know how the board will shake out for the first 38 picks, but if I'm picking a guy that's realistically there, so no more, you know, Dale and Terry dropping to this pick, no more uh, Jake Laravia dropping to this pick, unfortunately. Um, if I'm going to guy, go with a guy who might, who probably will be a 34, I'm just going to go a little out of the box and take uh, David Roddy. Um, I love this guy. He's built like a Mack truck, and he's basically the def- defensive end that plays basketball. He's 6'5", 260, played in the pack wet, um, and kind of did everything. He's pretty unique because he – you know, makes plays, he can shoot it decent and, you know, play tough D when required. But I think the concerns of his body and being so big definitely is a concern long term. But um, I just I just think he plays really hard and he has some of the tools that the Cavs are looking for on the playmaking and shooting side. Yeah, I, you actually took the guy I was going to take, so now I got No way. I gotta, Are you serious? Yeah, well, I read the Spin <laughs> Davies article on him earlier, and I and I liked him from earlier in the year. I kind of forgot about him, but he's kind of like uh, – I mean, there's a lot of Draymond comps in kind of the ability to guard a wide range of players and see the floor and shoot, and uh, he, he's definitely got the comps there. Not quite as tall or as long as Draymond, but – Certainly a guy that has an intriguing NBA skill set. Um, I actually think he would be a really good player to play with the Ka- some of the Cavs kind of willowy big men because he can box out guys on the boards and uh, kind of help help bang bodies on the inside. So and and can play probably the three or the five with some of those guys or the four. So that that makes sense uh, to me. Uh, the guy I'm going to take here, um, if he's still there, and, you know, that's a big if at this point. But at 39, we're all kind of reaching. I'm going to take Wendell Moore Jr. from Duke. Um, I think he's, you know, a really good all-around player, guard, um, seven-foot wingspan. Uh, his uh, He's a good defender, uh, pretty good shooter. Um, so, yeah. That that's the guy I'm gonna take, nice. and uh, uh, I and I guess if we are taking a, another appetizer here, I'm gonna I gotta go with the 38th ranked appetizer, and I'm gonna go spinach artichoke dip. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, that's kind of a low ranking. Come on, is it because what, what's, what's going on here? I thought I, I would I expect like it to be a first round appetizer. It's a high, Come on, it's a high second rounder. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. That's a yeah, that's Pretty actually good. a more I feel like that's a more controversial pick than mine to be honest with you. <laughs> Who's your picket? Um 
at 39. What you got, Eli? Oh, no, no I, I thought you oh, I, I thought you were going to pick one, Chris. Yeah, Chris oh. pick one, too. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll, I mean, ooh. man, that's tough. I mean, a, a top second round appetizer. I mean, I'm going to have – I would have said mozzarella sticks. I'm honestly not a fan of me- mozzarella sticks. That's what I was – you know, but that's already been taken. <laughs> so, I mean, but hey, that's but the, the high perfect- second round, sometimes that still pans out. That's true. That's true. No, I mean, it all, like you said, it all, I mean, it, it, it's a, you know, uh, it's a high floor, low ceiling type of appetizer. And that's what I think you get. There you, know, there you uh, go. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Okay. Eli, did you want to throw an app in there? Are you good to move on to, to 58? Um, is it? I'm ready to move on. <laughs> okay. Uh Oh, he's hit, run out hit of that with 58 there. <laughs> Eli is full. <laughs> All right. With the uh, 58th pick for me, this is a homer pick. He probably, I think there's a chance he might still be here at this point, but I want to go with ACC Player of the Year, beating out guys like AJ Griffin, Paulo Boncara, uh, Wendell Moore. Um, I'm going to go with Alondis Williams from Wake Forest. Um, he's like the ultimate college combo guard, you know, not the, not a good enough shooter to be an NBA shooting guard, not a good enough point guard to be, you know, a lead guard in the NBA, but you know, a true combo guard where he's the master of none, but thankfully he's an over six foot five. So he does have size and I think his athleticism is going to be a little bit below average, but he's crafty. He found a way to score on all the ACC teams. And I think that he could potentially be like a role-playing backup point guard if he needed to be. Um, And I think the reason he's not getting overlooked is because he doesn't have, you know, that elite trait that a lot of teams are looking for as a role player at this late in the draft. Um, and if I had to, I guess, throw just a second name out there that I would consider, but probably not a lot of people are, it's uh, my fellow countryman, Hyunjung Lee um, from Davidson, who ironically is kind of the opposite. He can only do one thing really well, and he kind of struggles at everything else, but that is shooting the basketball. So a little bonus giving you two players, but that's uh, who I'd have on the radar at that 58th pick. Sorry, I was on mute there. Um, so yeah, at the 58 pick, um, I would take, like, there's so many opportunities for homers here. We've got, uh, Kenneth Lofton Jr. We've got, uh, oh, who's the other, who's the other son of an NBA guy that there's Scotty Pippen Jr. here. Not really a homer guy. Um, Harper Jr. Oh gosh. Yeah. Ron Harper Jr. I'm actually gonna go with, um, uh, mainly because I got to tell this story about uh, my Serbian movers uh, from this last weekend. I'm going to go with Carlo <laughs> Maltovic, or sorry, Matkovic, uh, who's a power forward for Mega Mozart. And because I kind of feel like uh, with two picks already on board, this is either probably going to be a draft and stash or a guy that's definitely going to get a G League or two way contract. Um so I'm going to get Carlo Matkovich and then 
Uh, not because I think it's worth the 58th pick. I think it's it's worth much higher than this, but I'm going to go with pierogies uh, just for the uh, the Eastern European <laughs> connection here to my story. <laughs> so uh, what about you? Uh, who, who you got at 58? I know who you got. Who's oh, your guy? Uh, you've been you've been pimping them all all draft season. Oh, I mean, you know, for me, it's Keon Ellis. You know, there that's, you go. You know, come on now. It's, he's he's Clay. I, I would have picked him, but I didn't want to steal your thunder. Oh, thank you, thank you. No, well, there's a. I'll throw out. You know, everybody knows I love Keon Ellis. You know, he's basically mini Clay Thompson. So for Alabama, I have no idea why he's. Uh, consensus 59th pick or 59th rank uh, prospect, but um, you know he he reminds me of Herb Jones. You know, just a senior that's getting underrated and just can play play the game. You know, and uh, if you look at his shooting, he shoots like Kyle Korver. He could shoot off movement. You know, he runs around screens and gets himself open. No, he can't dribble, but you know who cares if you can shoot like that? So. Um, give me Keon Ellis, but th- one name I'll give you uh, as an offbeat name uh, that's getting a little bit of hype now is uh, you know from uh, from my part of the country, which is Virginia, and that's Vince Williams Jr. from VCU. He's a six five or six five six six wing, two hundred pounds, uh, senior, uh, upperclassman, just turned twenty two. He's getting a lot of hype. Um, it's crazy. He's right now listed as the 72nd pick um, uh, on the consensus draft board, and it's insane. I mean, he should probably be somewhere near a mid first, mid to upper for, or sorry, mid to upper second rounder. Um, I have no idea what the problem is. I have no idea what the beef is, but the kid just can play and. Uh, uh, you know, if there's a if there's a wing that you just want to take a wild swing on, you know, Vince Williams, you know, Vince Williams Jr., you could do a lot worse. So, uh, final appetizer. Um, I mean, I'm gonna have to go. You know, sushi. You know, I love a good tuna roll. So you know, <laughs> there you go. You know, yeah. You know, I, I love I love spicy tuna rolls. Let's go sushi. Spicy tuna. There you go. Oh yeah. We always love the spice. Nice. Nice. And with that, we'll be right back to say goodbye. Welcome back to Cavs the Podcast. I'm Nate Smith, and I'm actually broadcasting from my new home in western Michigan. Uh, actually moved over the weekend uh, through Monday. Kind of a crazy story. Still not moved in, but uh, my, my family has decided to relocate. And kind of at some point here, I'm going to uh, – kind of write about that whole story. But uh, right now I got to tell the story of my crazy uh, Eastern European movers that uh, <laughs> were super nice. Um, and so the the guy that bought the truck, he said he bought the truck three weeks ago based out of St. Louis. He was Serbian. And uh, the guy that he, he moved with was uh, – Croatian, which is crazy to begin with. Uh, uh, the Croatian mm. gentleman had much better English, but they they spoke in their uh, regional tongues uh, much uh, more than they did in English when they were around me. So, um, I, and I I don't put any stock in that. But uh, so the 
the Croatian dude played D1 lacrosse, and he was like a big stocky dude. He was kind of built like AJ Roddy. And then um, this guy, the Serbian dude, was like 6'7". His name was Jovan, uh, J-O-V-A-N, and he claimed he played uh, pro ball in Europe for uh, six or seven years. And uh, so I've been trying to look him up and find him because he claims he was a Djokovic teammate for a while. So I think uh, he may have played uh, on uh, Mega Basket or Mega Mozart in like uh, 1314. So I'm uh, I'm trying to find him. But uh, yeah, super nice guy. We, we started talking ball. Um, he like took pity on my wife because uh, – she had thought they were putting our stuff in storage and storing the truck and leaving it on the truck for a month. And he's like, no, I own this truck. I have to work. And like, literally they're based out of St. Louis and he hadn't been home in like three weeks. They just move. They're like move from town to town to town, just based on the contract that's available. It's crazy. So, um, crazy guy, uh, was fighting a toothache. He's like, I got to go home so I can see dentist. And, uh, so I, if you're out there, Yovan, thanks for moving me. And thanks for, uh, uh, working with my wife to get everything squared away. I know, uh, you made the best of a bad situation. So thank you. Uh, and, <laughs> nice. uh, hopefully someday we can play some pickup and you can school me. So, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's my mover story. So he, he was a super nice guy that went from playing for well in Europe to, uh, uh, owning his own moving truck. So it's the American dream. And I think Absolutely. he's making bank moving people right now because he's like, he's so busy. He can't go home and get his tooth fixed. So <laughs> anyway, um, uh, you guys got anything to pitch? Uh, any any good stories, or are we all just gonna wait with bated breath for the draft tomorrow? Ooh, yeah, I mean, uh, you can feel it, man. It's happening. I'm so excited. Oh my god, this is what we've been waiting for. So, uh, Kobe, this don't is the blow longest it. I've waited for a draft in a while. Like, it just feels like it has been forever. And maybe it's just because we had kind of heightened expectations that the Cavs would make the postseason. Um, and we thought yeah. their season would go on longer, but it's just been yeah. like, like, it's the well, longest and, and I can last remember. last year we knew we were getting Mobley, right? You know, like, I mean, right. there's no, you know, it, it, we're not going to even think about the other possibilities that were possible. But, you know, it, all of us knew or all of us loved Mobley. We thought that he was the guy, you know, it, it was – very easy and comfortable. We knew Kobe wasn't going to blow it, you know. Uh, but, you know, this is high drama this year. You know, there, there's – it's like you, you've you been saying it, and I think it's true. You know, somebody's going to fall. The pressure is going to be on Kobe to, you know, is he going to stick true to his board? Is he going to just, you know, make a gut pick? You know, I don't, you know everything is on the – is he going to trade? You know, everything is on the table tomorrow night. So it's going to be, I feel like it's going to be exciting, you know, and I can't wait to see what happens. Awesome. Awesome. What about you, Eli? Anything to pitch or just you, you, you're gunning for tomorrow? I'm just excited for tomorrow, man. I'm actually excited for like the next eight days or so because we got the draft. We got free agency. We got Stranger Things last two episodes for four hours of Stranger Things. So. Just a lot of good things going to yeah, happen and in then, the next eight days or so. 
Then rolling into July, we got some summer league, which should be fun Ooh, this year. That's right. <laughs> it's my favorite time of yeah. year watching summer league ball. You know, kids trying to yeah. tr- kids trying to make a dream. Yeah, no. So there's something super fun about summer league. It just the unstructuredness of it. The uh, the you know the the whole off the cuff feel for the whole thing. They don't take it too seriously. Um, you know, there's no foul limit. So yeah, summer league. <laughs> well, there is, but it's twelve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. They had to put in a rule. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't remember who they put that rule in for, but yeah. <laughs> it's got to be awesome. some big. It was probably like Andrew Bynum or somebody. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully we have lots to talk about tomorrow night. And as always, go Cavs. Go Cavs. Go Cavs. <laughs> nice. Thank you for listening to Cavs the Blogs podcast. Check back soon for some more fun with your favorite blogger. There's a fire.